Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 27, podcast 027. And today, as always, we want to have a biblical conversation about an issue confronting our culture in this crazy world in which we live. Today's discussion centers around what do you do when your son or daughter or a loved one comes out as gay or lesbian or transgender. How do you respond? So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of this complex issue confronting you, our culture, and the church as we seek to apply God's word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, for those who want to dig deeper, we'll provide additional resources at our resource page. In the meantime, let's get started. All right. So there's a study out that says there's been a 20% jump between 2017 and 2021 in the number of young people coming out as LGBTQ. It seems like this is a challenge facing parents in increasing numbers. I think uh, one of the shows that uh, I, one of the podcasts I listened to uh, said that almost 11% of uh, people under the age of 21 now identify as LGBTQ. But, but really, I guess the question to you, Keith, would be what, what should parents do um, when they do have like one of their children or one of their loved ones uh, come out? Well, Mark, let, let's just take a moment and talk about that Gallup poll. According to a recent Gallup poll, the number of men and women who self-identified in some category of the LGBTQ culture or lifestyle rose from 4.5% to 5.6% between 2017 and 21. 2021. That's about a 20%. That's one-fifth increase. Now, in the 90s, the number was less than 3% combined. Some people would say, well, maybe people are more comfortable coming out now than they were then, but the reality was uh, an anonymous survey is an anonymous survey, and it is statistically impossible to achieve that kind of increase. That type of increase does not make sense. So why would you say that this is happening then? Well, one reason is, and I've said this before, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, it's the indoctrination in the educational establishment in the public schools. The educational establishment, as we've discussed before, is actively teaching and advocating and indoctrinating people in this lifestyle from kindergarten to 12th grade and on through university. And let me just isolate one example, and that is the LA Unified School District, Los Angeles, California. They have something like 40 gay holidays that they celebrate during the school year, 40 LGBTQ type holidays. There's National Coming Out Day, there's Ally Week, where students organize to identify allies to support them in their lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender lifestyle. There's Harvey Milk Day. There is LGBTQ History Month, 31 days with 31 cultural icons. There is the Day of Silence to bring attention to bullying of bisexual and gay and transgendered people. There is the Day of Dialogue where people of faith are confronted with the need to listen to what the LGBT community has to say, practicing sort of the golden rule. There is the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia. And there's the Christopher Street West Anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion, which is kind of odd in and of itself. That's where a bar fight turned into somebody calling the police, which then turned into a riot, and they're kind of treating it like the slave rebellions in the antebellum South. But what we see here is a full-court press, a bombardment of the students, of, of impressionable young people, as they're heavily indoctrinated, and they're increasingly confused. So I want to 
I want, I want to point out a statistic within the statistics. And that 5.6% that identify as LGBTQ, over 50% of them still enjoy sexual activity with people of the opposite sex. What do you think that means? Uh, it would seem that there's some natural inclination there towards heterosexuality. That's right. And, and, and so I, get, I think my point is, and what some of the research infers, and everybody's trying not to talk about it, is that apart from this activist strong-arming, that you, you adjust that 50% figure, and less than 3% might have identified as LGBTQ. And that would explain the, the statistical impossibility. It would not occur naturally. It requires interference, suggestion, indoctrination. So when I look at all of these numbers, you know, one of the thoughts that that comes to mind, and, and even with all of these holidays and all these things, is uh, there's just so much affirmation out there in, in for for a student, for a child, for a sibling, a loved one to come out as LGBTQ. Um, if you're not finding that affirmation anywhere else, there's a community where you get it, and it's celebrated and praised, and you're strong. And so, really, how does a parent or a sibling or a grandparent for that matter, um, help and how do they, um, what are they to do with a loved one that's going through this? Well, a couple of things. Number one, if your son or daughter or sibling becomes confused or convinced that they might be gay, which is very fashionable now, or they might be transgendered, don't react. Ask them questions. Help them explore and probe the thought processes behind their feelings. I had a, a young man in my youth group several years ago uh, when I was new to the ministry, and his parents brought him to me because he had told them that he thought he might be gay. And they were stunned because he'd never shown any inclination in that direction at all. And so we sat down with him and very calmly discussed his feelings and how he came to that conclusion. And there was, there was some interesting pressures there. Uh, a young man had come to him who was gay and said, I think you might be gay. And he said, I'm, I'm a gay man and I can spot other gay men. And this young man, we'll call him Timmy, was confused because he'd never even thought of that before. And then, you know, naturally it was Gay Pride Week and talking to his teachers and uh, stuff like that. They kind of affirmed that maybe he should think about that. But when we got to the heart of the matter, it turned out that this young man had a crush on him and had been watching him for a while. So in the midst of all this gay pride week and all this indoctrination and affirmation, and now this guy comes forward and says, you know, I think you might be gay because I'm gay. I'm an expert at spotting gays. It really confused him. And so we talked to him. His parents didn't get upset. They didn't yell at him. They didn't say, oh, you're embarrassing me. They spoke to him kindly. They had, they had a loving relationship with him. They were a part of the church family. They had lived out their faith before him. They had encouraged him to explore the Christian faith. He was in the youth group. And basically, through dialogue and discussion, we came up with a game plan. We said, you know, this is a big decision you're about to make. Can we put, push the pause button and just take a step back? Maybe stay away from this young man Maybe not discuss this with your teachers because they're sort of uh, 
I hate to say it this way, paid to advance this agenda, this ideology, and we want you to think about your own life and your own feelings and your own thought. And, and I pointed him to the Bible. I pointed him to what the Bible says. We talked about that even Jesus said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That, that this is the way God designed things and that he should think about this and not just react to these outside pressures. And you know what? He's in his 30s today, and to my knowledge, he's not gay. Uh, he was able to kind of disentangle himself from this young man. He was able to think for himself. He was a his parents were able, to, and I was able to talk to him and to reason with him patiently and kindly from the scriptures. And in the end, you might say he made the right decision, not under pressure. And this is the key, because so many parents are embarrassed or they get angry or they turn on each other when instead they should turn to the young person and talk to them and listen to them and caution them and plead with them and pray for them. You know, now let me just be careful here because when you dialogue like this, this isn't part of the popular culture's mantra, shut up and listen. This isn't about a wokester lecturing you about your transphobia, homophobia, whatever it is. It's about taking the foundation that you've built with your son or daughter or loved one over the course of their lifetime, taking them and talking to them because you've, you've got this bond with them. Hopefully you've shared the faith with them. Hopefully you've brought them to church. Hopefully you've lived out your faith however imperfectly, warts and scars and all, and they know that you're serious about loving them and loving Christ. Yeah, I'm so glad that, uh, that you continue um, to kind of push forward that message. And it's a message that we come back to a lot on this podcast in general. And it's the idea that as parents, you need to be so actively involved and engaged in your child's uh, not only social life, but their spiritual life. It's just, you know, as a parent, being part of who your child is developing uh, to be. And, and I think also you, you mentioned foundations in there, and I think that's, that's a really important kind of concept for, um, for parents and for loved ones to understand is that uh, it's, it's hard to fix a foundation that was never there. And so if these students um, or this, this child doesn't have this super strong foundation, you could be trying to fix something that was never really there to be fixed in the first place. But what you can remember is that we can always work with somebody who's sinful and somebody who, who deals with sin and, and is dealing with that, but they trust you and they're willing to have the conversation with you and have that loving conversation. No, that, that, that's right, Mark. I think you put it so well there too. You know, you can reason with them from the scriptures, but if you've never opened the scriptures, if you've never talked about Christ, even if they're unsaved, you know, a lot of times, you know, a child will pray a prayer when he's five or she's five or whatever, and the parent takes their salvation for granted, which you can't do. But if, at least if they're familiar with the faith, familiar with the Word of God, and they've seen you take the Word of God seriously, there, there is a foundation that you can build on, but that foundation has to have been there. And so you've got to talk to them. You've got to explain to them. You, you can't take their salvation for granted, so you have to evangelize them. And you really have to listen to them and try to field their tough questions. But I think something that you've said before is don't be embarrassed to turn to the church. Turn to the church. Turn to the youth pastor. Turn to youth leaders. Turn to your pastor. You know, so many kids grow up in Christian homes and they 
can seemingly articulate the faith, but they don't understand it because they've never embraced it. And we can't take that for granted. In the end, you know, you can do everything right, humanly speaking, and things still not work out because we live in a fallen world. But I do know this for sure. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And when he talked to people who were struggling with sin, he was very kind to them. He asked them questions. There was that dialogue. When he talked to the religious hypocrites, he was pretty tough on them. You've got to be full of grace and truth with your loved one, your son, your daughter, your granddaughter, your grandson, your sibling. You have to think before you speak. But in the end, they're going to make their decision, whatever that decision is. Yeah, and so maybe talk about that. What, what do you do then um, when you know, you've loved, you've had this conversation, you've done this dialogue, um, you've trusted God, you've, you've done all of these things, and, and you still see your loved one pursue and embrace that lifestyle? Well, that's, you've got some difficult choices to make in the coming days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Uh, there has to be some understanding, uh, some mutual respect, and ground rules. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, my brother, Craig, who died of AIDS in uh, 1992, was gay. We saw it coming a mile away. Uh, he he kind of gravitated in that direction. Uh, he found acceptance in his theater group, and he came out as gay. And my parents were not believers, and I wasn't. A, none of us were believers at the time. And, but my parents kind of established ground rules. They said, look, we don't, want, we don't allow your heterosexual brother to hang on his girlfriend, to, to be kissing on her at the dinner table or holding hands or anything like that. We, we expect you to show the same type of restraint and self-control of good manners. Uh, you know, uh, and so you have to lay out these ground rules. So I guess with those ground rules comes the big question that I get a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, what do you do about the wedding? Yeah, you know, there could be a wedding. The question is, should you attend? And I would say no, because as a Christian mother or father who dearly loves his son or daughter, you cannot participate in, 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 in the deception or the lie that this is something that God approves of. And so you can't affirm what Christ doesn't affirm. Christ taught in Matthew uh, 19, 4 through 6 that, a marriage was for one man and one woman. This was God's plan from the beginning before the fall in the Garden of Eden. And so therefore, I, I would say you probably can't go to the wedding. You're going to have to explain to them why, but you have to be respectful, kind, sensitive. And you may hear them talk about being a gay Christian. That's, that's, that's in fashion today. But the reality is if anybody has any biblical uh, acuity whatsoever, this is a contradiction in terms. All right, so next big question um, comes with pronouns. That's a really uh, become a really important thing now. Uh, so what do you do with the pronouns? Well, again, it's, it's a challenge. You know, somebody can legally change their name, and I guess you can call them by that name. But when they start asking you to participate in the idea that a man is a woman or a woman is a man, this is the whole transgendered thing. Once again, in Christ and before God, you can't facilitate a lie. You can't serve two masters. You can't, you're going to have to love one and neglect the other. And when your son claims to be a woman now or your daughter claims to be a man now, the fact of the matter is no matter what types of surgeries they have or what types of hormones or drugs they take, they still are what God made them, a man, a biological man or a biological woman. And engaging in this game with pronouns is something that a Christian just can't do. 
I think when it comes to pronouns or weddings or people flaunting their so-called new uh, sexual orientation, you cannot affirm sin. You just can't do it. And that's going to affect relationships. It's going to put a strain on the family. And this gets back to your discussion and my discussion earlier about having laid that foundation in the first place. You know, when you raise your son or daughter, when you love your brother or sister, you attach kind of like rubber bands that are heartstrings, and they can stretch and some can pop, but that love is a strong bond and that, that holds them close to you. And by God's grace, you've done that, and that there is this affection, there is this connection, there is this history between you, this love of the child, this love for the parent, this love of God, this love of Christ. And so as difficult as aspects of this uh, trial are, and you having to say, no, I can't come to a wedding, I can't call you her when you're a him, um, but I do love you, and I, I do want to see you at the dinner table. Um, I, do, I do love spending time with you. I want to respect you, and I want you to respect my beliefs as well. And I get it. This is hard. This is so, so, so hard. But it just takes patience. You know, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, love, kindness, patience. Patience is necessary. Endurance is necessary. Love is necessary. So I think uh, a good question here is, uh, so why the patience? Why even greater patience than maybe we deal with people in some other sort of sin? Well, because the gay culture, the LGBTQ culture, has brainwashed itself, its membership, you might say, that all Christians everywhere are transphobic or all Christians everywhere are hateful bigots. And that's just not true. And, you know, sadly, there are some professing Christians who respond, I think react is a better word, they react wrongly. Then you have these cults like the Westboro Baptist Church that's really, really out there, you know, showing up with signs that they, they hate Christians, that God, uh, they hate uh, gays, that God hates gays and all this sort of stuff. This is a hate-filled satanic cult. And what we have to do is show them Christ. And this is an uphill battle because the culture has painted us one way and when in fact we're another. And that's where being full of grace and truth. You have to speak the truth in love. You have to be kind. You have to be patient. And you know what? They may not be patient with you. And they may not be kind to you. And sometimes you may slip up and not be kind to them. But you have got to patiently and lovingly engage them, stay in contact with them, show them the love of God, the love of Christ. You've just got to hang in there, and that's why the greater patience is needed. You know, a lot of times, the confusion that they suffer from is the result of some form of abuse. My own brother was molested by an adult in our neighborhood when he was 10 years old. Uh, the young man in my youth group, you know, the teachers were affirming this. This guy was affirming this. Do you want to punish them for what's been done to them? No, you don't. You want to love them. You want to encourage them. You want to challenge them. You want to exhort them. And there's just no easy formula. Yeah, and so I think as we uh, kind of wrap up here, um, I, I think it is important to say, you know, they, there doesn't really seem to be a cookie-cutter approach, um, really no magic formula except for 
the one thing we know of as the magic formula, which is the uh, supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit in that sinner's life. Exactly. You know, there is no magic formula. There is, however, a supernatural God, and we have his inerrant, perfect, and always applicable supernatural word. And as believers, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and so he can enable us to do things in him that we could not do in our own strength and our own wisdom. And we have the gospel, which is the power of salvation, right? What does it say in Romans 1, 16 and 17? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We share our faith from the Bible. Not I think, I feel, but God says. God has this perfect design for us, and we need to follow it. And so, you know, you don't just park your Bible in the corner. You reason from the Bible. You reason from faith for their saving faith. You live out your faith. You live by your faith. You reason with them from the word of God. And for some, Christ may become their savior. And for others, maybe not. But here's the thing. God has raised you up for such a time as this. This trial has not caught him by surprise. He will never abandon you or forsake you. And all you have to do is be faithful. You abide in Christ, you keep his word, and you let him do the heavy lifting. So, I think that's it for today, Mark. I think we're about out of time. So thank you for joining us, everyone. If you'd like additional resources, you can go to our resource page at gracetoliveradio.org. You can also, if you have questions, email me at keith at hillside.org. You can learn more about Hillside Church at www.hillside.org forward slash services if you'd like to worship with us online or worship with us in person. Fill out an RSVP form. You know, we social distance, we wear masks, but we'd love to see you here on Sunday at either 9 or 1045. In the meantime, whatever your podcast platform is, give us a good rating, give us a five-star rating, share us with your friends, help us expand the ministry, help us equip others to, to live this life and to make sense of their existence using the Word of God. And you know what? Whatever your circumstance or situation, if, if you have a loved one who has come out as gay, there is always hope. Just trust in God, abide in Christ, cling to what is true, and let God do what God does. This is Mark. This is, okay. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. God bless you. God keep you, and we'll see you next time.